love you for your achievement they are going to respect you so it is important that you achieve something so that people can then respect you but is that the case with the law when we have to do with the character of the Lord we don't have to necessarily do anything before you become respected or you have to then respect others if you have the character of the Lord regardless of the position of the person what the person have or have not you will equally respect the person not because of who the person is or the position the person occupies but because of who you are and the character of God in you so when you are unable to respect people because you think they have not achieved ABCD or you think they don't have ABCD then it means that you are not exhibiting the character of God in you I'm teaching on the subject marriage vow there is an account adage that Okay. But is that entirely true? Translating to English, it says that your beauty may take you there or your gift may open doors for you. But it is your character that is going to keep you there or going to cause you to come out of the place that you have been sent to. But is that entirely true? Certainly not, except if that character is the character of God you are portraying. And for some days, we've been dealing with the character of God and the character of the devil. The character that will keep you in the place that you've been able to enter is the character of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of God, which is going to keep you in that space. We understood that God has a character which he has given us which we call the fruit of the Spirit which we are equally supposed to abide by and then there is the character of the devil which we read in the book of first John 3 verse 8 and the verse 9 and he states emphatically about the character of the devil which we are not supposed to walk by. So even though we profess to be Christians with our lips, in our actions, we act as though we are children of the devil. And so he says we will believe with our heart and we will confess with our mouth. And we said many people are confessing with their mouth, but with their heart is a different thing. So they can be in church and they are doing something else. So they are going to church to listen to the word of the Lord and they may be there but their minds are somewhere else so the presence of the Lord itself becomes a problem to them they, they are more better off distracted even in the house of the Lord than to even listen to the word of the Lord marriage vow marriage vow scripture tells us Jude chapter 1 verse 24 paraphrasing he says it is unto him who is able to keep us from falling so they may be telling us that your beauty may take you there but your character is what is going to determine if you are going to be kept there or you are going to come back but the Lord makes understand here that 
it is unto the Lord that is able to keep us. The character is necessary. The character of God is necessary. But it is unto the Lord who is able to keep us from falling. Yes, character is necessary. But is it what that keeps you from falling? There are many people with good characters but bad marriage. Good characters a bad relationship. Everyone says their ex is bad. And you are equally someone's ex one way or the other. Are you bad? Or the person was bad? <laughs> equally, the person also has something against you as well. Let me quickly rush into it. Let me quickly rush into the message for today. When God created Adam and Eve, He made him the earthly father of Adam and Eve. And it equally made him the spiritual father of Adam and Eve. Pastor Divine, can you come? Pastor Silla, can you come? Let me do this demonstration briefly. Alright. So, I am a representative of God. And now I become God for the purpose of this teaching. So that you can understand. So this is God, this is Adam, and this is Eve. Alright? Alright. God created Adam. So now Adam becomes the biological and spiritual son of God. Then God created Eve for Adam. And then she equally becomes the biological daughter and spiritual daughter of God. So as I am God now, I have become the biological father of these two. I have become the, or the earthly father, so to speak, of these two. And then I have become the spiritual father of these two. I have also become their priest. In other words, I have become their pastor. I have also become top, top notch, their God. And also become their in laws. So I am a father to this one, um, earthly father, spiritual father, father in law to this one as well. Then this one as well, I am a spiritual father, earthly father, and a father in law to this one as well, God. All right. And so when God created Adam, scripture says that in the Genesis chapter 2, the verse 18 to 21, he says he was seeing the life of Adam and he realized that it was not good for Adam to be alone. But when God saw that it was not good for Adam to be alone, the first thing God created was not Eve. God did not create Eve for Adam for the first time when he saw that it was not good for man to be alone. Don't be deceived. Genesis 2, verse 18 to 21. God first created animals and he realized that animals were unable to keep Adam company. Then he went ahead to create Eve for Adam. And verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. Who one please? So, first of all, you just go to verse 18. Let's take it one by one. He says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Alright? Then he says, I will make him a help meet. Who would be 18, please? 18, I'm 18. So, and I will make him a help meet. So, God is saying, It's not good for the Adam to be alone, and he's going to create a help meet for Adam. Then he goes ahead to create what? Verse 19. 
we would ordinarily think God created Adam first and Eve first after he said it was not good for man to be alone. But he created animal to be with Adam. Not necessarily to be a helper or a suitor to Adam, but to keep him company. So he says in the verse 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So he did not first create um, it for Adam, he created animals first. And when he brought it to Adam for Adam to choose, Adam chose a name for them and he called them animal. And then he began to call them one by one. You are lion, you are tiger, you are a cheetah, here and here and here. Adam was the one who gave them the names, and the law says, as he named them, so it was. Follow carefully. So in the mind of God, he wasn't creating animals for Adam to be a suitor or a helpmeet for Adam, but he was trying to also see the man he has created. And when he created the man, he made man name, choose the animal and name the animal. He chose not to have the animal to be his wife, but he chose it to be something that he can be able to consume or to use it to farm or do any other thing. Then God then said, okay, if Adam is not interested in animals to be giving him comfort here and there, so then you see people in this dispensation even getting married to animals. What Adam saw not to be good is now what people are now seeing to be good. People even get married to animals and they leave their properties for animals. Move on to verse 20. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. Wait, oh. God still created animals for him, and it was not found among the animals to be helpmeet. In other words, even if you are a human, God did not create you to be an animal in the life of a person. Because animals are not helpmeet. Which character are we showcasing that shows that we are animals? So they tell us we are first class animals. I'm not a first class animal. <laughs> I don't know for you, you can believe in science, I, I believe in science to some extent, but I am not an animal. If I was an animal, then I should have been an animal in that state and then satisfy Adam. But when God made animals for Adam, Adam was not satisfied by this animal to have intercourse with them and then call them my wife. So he began to name each one of them and give them a place to be in his life. And then God, we saw God now do something. Then after Adam did not choose the animals as his wife, then God brought another one, 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep down to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took up one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, 22 is, and then he made Eve. And then when Adam saw Eve, he says, this is what the bone of my bone and this is what the flesh of my flesh. There and there, Adam was able to recognize Eve. He says, this shall be called a woman. It wasn't God that named Eve for Adam. Wait. It was Adam that called the woman, woman. When the woman was made, the woman did not have any name upon her. But it was Adam that called the woman and said, you are a woman. 
Your husband should be the one to call you. Your husband should be the one to name you as a wife. Not you naming yourself as a wife. It is after your husband has named you a wife before you can now determine to call yourself a wife. God did not choose Eve for Adam. God did not choose Eve for Adam, but he brought Eve to Adam. So, I made animals for Adam, and Adam says, this one, I can't marry this one, I can't live with this one, and maybe I can eat this one, I can make this one work on my farm here and there, here and there, and I begin to eat them. I didn't choose the animals as my wife. Then suddenly, God makes Eve for Adam, and when Adam saw Eve, Adam says, oh, come on, this is the bone of my bone, this is the flesh of my flesh, this one will be called a woman, and this is my wife now. If Adam had rejected Eve as a wife, God would have made maybe another woman or another thing for Adam to be a suitor. Okay. Step by step. Step by step. Animals were made first. They did not meet the criteria of wife for Adam. And Adam rejected them as a wife and as a helpmeet. And then a woman now was made. And now Adam now accepted. God did not impose Eve upon Adam. He brought Eve to Adam and Adam had a choice. When Adam saw it, now he chose Eve and he named Eve. And that is why you take your husband's name or send him when you get married to them. They name you. That is why we do that. That is why when you don't know, that's why when he sent his marriage certificate and we are going to the uh, registry, you change your surname. To your husband's sending. That is why it is right for the man to be the one proposing and not a woman proposing. What am I trying to drive at? God doesn't impose anyone upon you as a sitter. So, for instance, you receive a prophecy that this one is your husband or this one is your wife. Or you saw in a dream, you had your own revelation, your own confirmation that this one is your wife. My God, can you say that? Thank you very much. It doesn't mean you should go strictly by it. That, okay, uh, man of God, I have received a prophecy that this person is my husband. I've seen it severally in a dream. Uh, this person is my wife. I've seen it severally in a dream. So that's the only person that was made for me. And it's not working, so should I still stay? Because this is the person God said. Can I go ahead? God did not choose Eve for Adam. God brought Eve to Adam. And then Adam himself chose Eve. If Eve was not enough for Adam, Adam would have had another option from God. Another option from God. But then he is the one who is going to suffer the consequences. God doesn't impose marriages on us. But he gives us his cake in our life. So he said, I lay before you life and death choose life. But again, we can equally have the free will of choosing death. So if God gives you a prophetic word, this is your husband, you can choose the person and make it work out. Equally also, you have the free will of not choosing the person. But then you will then suffer the consequences thereof. Hosea chapter 1 verse 2. God came to Hosea and gave a prophetic word to Hosea, the prophet. 
He told the prophet that according to your purpose also, you are supposed to marry a harlot. Not this harlot or the harlot, but a harlot. So there are many harlots, and God says, yes, there are many of them, but you're supposed to marry a harlot, a prostitute. Hosea 1 verse 2. You are supposed to marry a prostitute. If God comes to you and tells you you're supposed to marry a prostitute, will you go? Uh, hmm. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, so Hosea is a prophet, the Lord, the first time God was first speaking to the prophet, hey, Will you believe that's the voice of God? Will you believe? The first time you are hearing God clearly, and God is saying, Go and marry a prostitute. He says, And first spoke to Hosea, and he said to him, Go and marry a promiscuous wife. Another version also says prostitute. So check your version. Say that. And have children of promiscuity, children of harlotry. For the whole land has been promiscuous, hallowed by abandoning the Lord. So according to the the destiny of the purpose of the prophet Hosea, he was supposed to marry a harlot. Not the harlot or this harlot, but a harlot. But his criteria of wife is what? A harlot. So whichever one, when you go, whichever one you see that you choose, you have options. There are many harlots. You have options. But make sure the options, they are all women, alright? They are all women. But in the women, there is an identity. Don't marry a bank manager. Don't marry an accountant. Don't marry a scientist. Make sure you are marrying one whose job description is a prostitute. So if you marry a woman who is not a bank manager, who is not a prostitute, you have gone outside the will of the Lord, though you have married. So is God in that marriage? Let's take step by step. We plan our wedding. We buy everything. We invite everyone. We have the playlist. Then we stand before the man of God. The man of God is saying, stay with me. And we go ahead and we say, I do. And we are all jubilating, reception, everything. This boy, they are looking good together. <laughs> this and this and this and that. Okay. They give birth, everything, everything goes on fine. Everything seems to be perfect. And you are admiring that marriage. Whereas the man was supposed to have married a prostitute. And yet he went to marry quote, a church girl. If the prophet had married in our days, if a prophet takes a prophet to go and marry, but that's on yourself. The first time the prophet heard the voice of God, God was going to go and marry a prophet. It was his purpose. What is your purpose? Remember again, God did not impose the prostitute upon him. He didn't say this prostitute. It wasn't an imposition. He brought the criteria. But you have the luxury and the opportunity to choose from. In the will of the Lord, there are many suitors for you, but there is only one help meet for you according to purpose. Can I go ahead? Oh, can I go ahead? In other words, if your criteria of guy is maybe tall, body, everything, all right? Color, everything. You will meet more than 10 guys with that same specs. You will meet more than 10 women with that same specs. 
Are you here? So there are many suitors, there are many people that can play that particular role. But which one is really the helpmeet? Regardless of the specs, which one? So we now have to go beyond the specs and go to now purpose. Because marriage is not only about, in quote, sexual intercourse, it's about fulfilling destiny. So after satisfying each other sexually, how about fulfilling purpose? The other day again, the Lord gave an instruction to the parents of Moses to be told to Moses, I'm sorry, uh, Samson. And they, they told Samson not to marry a particular woman or from a particular town, the Philistine, not to marry from them, for the Lord has declared them as the enemy of God. But when Samson grew up, Samson chose for himself a wife among God's enemy. Did God oppose it? No. Did God stop Samson? No. God made something go ahead, but then he suffered the consequences. So for you to think that because maybe your relationship is facing challenges, so it's the hand of God fighting you, God will not fight it. It is your choice. You have a free will. Unless people who have some specific purpose, and even them, it's even hard to disobey. All of us have purposes in God, but some people's purposes are quite different and very much important to the Father. That is why God was not interested in every king of the kingdom, but particular kings of the world. So you and I may have a purpose, but the purpose may not be the same, but it may be intertwined. Your husband or your wife's purpose may not be the same as yours, but it is connected. So he says, in your light, I see light. He was told to marry his own people, and he was told a criteria of people not to marry from. When he went to take for himself a woman to not to marry from, God did not kill the woman, God did not kill him. But he suffered the disobedience of his decisions. What has God told you about your marriage? What has God told you about the vow? What has God told you about your covenant? Or you don't even know what your marriage is all about. First of all, it was before the Lord that Adam chose a wife. It was before God that Adam chose a wife. Adam did not choose a wife outside God. Adam did not choose a wife away from God. Yet, so when you are making a choice of a spouse or someone you want to share your life with, it must not be outside God or away from God. So he said, light has nothing to do with darkness. We are not of equally yoke with unbelievers. When a choice was being made by Adam as a wife, he took one who is before God, his father. And then also he allowed his father to bring him a wife. So in the early days, most of times, it is our parents who fix our marriages for us. But in our days, we are able to make our own fixing. Are the blessings of your parents or the 
Opinions of your parents important in your marriage? Yes, but not absolute. Should your parents have a say in your marriage? Yes, but not absolute. Can your parents cancel your marriage? Yes, but not absolute. If God had told Adam, I said, even though you want this one as a wife, I will not give this one to you as a wife, I will give another one to you, that marriage between Adam and Eve would have been spot. The book of Numbers, chapter 30, the verse 2 downwards. You want to see how important it is for our parents to play a role in our marriage. He says, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to put himself under an obligation, he must not break his word. So the marital vow must not be broken. The marital vow before the Lord made by the man must not be broken. He said, he must do whatever he has promised. Okay, move on. When a woman in her father's house, during her youth, makes a vow to the Lord and puts herself under an obligation, mm -hmm. and her father hears about her vow or the obligation, she puts herself under, and he says nothing to her. All her vow and every obligation she puts herself under are binding. So in other words, if the lady has been found by the man and the lady sends the man to the house that I want to marry this one and the father does not say anything the father agrees to marry the father or the father is also mute about it it means that that union between the man and the woman is binding okay but then move on of God but if her father prohibits her on the day he hears about it none of her vows and none of the obligations she put herself under are binding. The Lord will absorb her because her father has prohibited her. So if, see, that's why sometimes it is, most at times, it is highly important that you get your approval of parents for any relationship, any marriage, anything you want to enter into. So there are people who may be entering to a relationship or going to a marriage and they are before the altar and they are exiting vow and their parent is somewhere who has not agreed and he said we don't care, we will do it without, we will do without the consent of our parent and the brother is the one walking the woman through the aisle, not the father he says the Lord even though you might have done that wedding before the Lord it is prohibited If our earthly father prohibits a marriage, no matter what we do, that marriage is not binding. We will say all that we can say, but that marriage before God is not binding. And that is why it is important for us to get the prayers or the approval of our parents in the decision concerning marriage. Because their decision matters. It matters to God. It matters. Sometime back, one of my daughters was telling me that Charlie, I'm going to run and do this to My guy, my parents have seen and say, hey, don't go and do any court marriage or anything. Let's get the parent approval first. 
Now also, does it mean that every guy you bring to the house and your parents they don't want, you two will not agree, so you two can't marry, so you two will be dead? What the Lord is telling us here is that as much as the decisions of our parents matter in our marriage or our, our marital vows, it's not absolute. Because he tells us again that we should obey our parents in the Lord. In other words, we, can, we should not obey our parents outside the Lord. So anything our parents tell us which is outside the will of the Lord, we should not obey. But if our parents tell us what is inside the will of the Lord, we can then obey. So if God has told you, this is the one for me, and your parents are refusing to accept, when you go ahead with it, to God it is binding because now it is in Him. You are disobeying your parents in the Lord. Am I making myself clear? Uh, how can I do this thing? <laughs> Obey your parents in the Lord. Not only spiritual parents, but also whatever obedience you are doing or you have towards your parents, it must be in accordance with what the Lord has said concerning your life. So if God has said, this a person is my wife, and my biological parents do not want to accept because I do not want to please man and I want to please God in that aspect God is glorified and he binds the marriage but in the aspect where God is also is not also in the will of the father that the marriage will stand and your parents also are against it no matter whatever you do it will not stand the only time we are to obey our parents is in the Lord so for instance, because I'm vision, I'm a shepherd over you, I'm a father to you one way or the other. And I come to you and say, oh, sister, brother, I think both of you to work out for you. But you too, you know that that person is not the will of God for you. A bishop, I can't, you know, I was saying, no, that one is outside the will of God, so that one you can disobey. Because even if you go ahead with the marriage, it will not be binding before the Lord. And that's one of the challenges people have in this dispensation because most of the times, they enter into a relationship because of heartbreaks, because of certain level of loneliness here and there, because of certain level of pain or what society will say, they force a particular relationship to work out. And they say, I want this relationship to be my last. You enter a relationship without knowing the mind of God. But in your mind, you've told yourself, I want this relationship to be my last. Is it the last? Is it, is it what God wants to be the last for you? What you want to be the last is not God's last for you, but you declare it last. So even if it's not working, self, you put glue to bind it. If the glue spoil, you put nail. You do everything possible to make sure that it is working. Even when the Lord says no. Because you declare to be your last. Make sure you are making or you are seeing that person, choosing that person and naming that person to be your last because it is who God has showed you to be your last. Some relationship came our way because God wanted it to come our way. Yes. God wanted you to be better. If not, the person you were going to marry, if you had met a person two years ago, 
even though before the eyes of men you are married, and perhaps if it's the will of God, God also affirms you are married. In the law of the country, you are not married. In the law of the country, you are not married. So if something happens to maybe the man, the wife cannot take the man's property. So it is possible, highly possible, that you can get married and spiritually, according to God, you are not married. You may be one with a person, spiritually, by virtue of intercourse. But according to God, you are not married. So there are many people who are equally married, and according to God, they are not married. So think about yourself. My relationship. If I should marry this person today, is it the will of God? Or is what I want? That relationship you want it to be your last. How do you think about it now? This is the purpose of God. Or you don't even know. The person you are dating. The person you are even eyeing to date. Is it the will of God? The person you also married. Is it the will of God? Or is it your will? Is it your will or it is God's will? Think, think about it a bit. Don't try to distract yourself from you don't know, you don't know, you don't know what your answer is. And now who get Because marriages can be put asunder because relationships can be destroyed it is important that we keep whatever God has given us through him it is important that we guard our marriages through the Lord we guard our relationships through the Lord because no matter whatever you do your marriages will face challenges your relationship will face challenges so you will not say because of the challenge you want to destroy it you have to keep that home you have to fight for what God has given you God says, let no man put asunder what he has put together. So there are forces that will try to put asunder what God has put together. And sometimes our marital vows allows us to get married without evolving God and try to make the marriage work through the arm of our flesh. And I sent something around to all of you about the marriage vow. And I want us all to read it one by one. He says, I, then dash, take you, dash, so if I, the male, take you, the female, for my lawful wife or husband to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part, I will love and honor you all the days of my life. I want us to take it one by one again. Go to your phones, your chat with me, and you will see I sent you a message and I wrote the, the uh, marriage vow that has been recited or given to you to recite during your wedding day. And let's do this. Are you there now? Okay, he says what? I, 
take you. So the first problem there in our marriage vows when we are doing wedding is the, the first thing that I take you. He said, it is God who is able to keep us from falling. We don't have an ability to take it. So number one, not the first problem. I take you. I take you. Not God, not true God, not in the name of God, but I take you for my lawful wife and husband. Then he says, number two, to have. And number three, and to hold. What you, you do? Scripture says, the arm of flesh will fill us. For it is not by mind nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. And now you are entering into marriage, you are saying, I take you. And you are saying you are going to take the person now to have and to, to keep or to hold. And he says it's not in our place to be able to keep or to be able to hold or to be able to have. And so even scripture says, as we read uh, during the Friday Midnight Cry, that there are people who are able to snatch what belongs to us from us greedily. They snatch from us greedily what belongs to us. And at once, we begin to see in a short time, things destroyed in our life. So there are people who are able to take from you. They can be able to take that marriage from you. But so long as you make a vow with this person that I will take you, I will hold you, I will keep you, the Lord is outside it, even though he is there with you. Because even though he may have bound you guys together, you have told him that you, this lady is your responsibility, not God's responsibility. So now you are married, maybe in the name of God, but he's not the one keeping the marriage. And that is why I am in issue who have a different marital vow. You will not go this way. Not because of the forsaken, for, uh, in sickness or, uh, or in, in poverty or whatever it is, but because of the mistakes here. We understand it is not in our place to be able to keep or to hold, but it is in the place of God to keep and to hold. For we have no strength to keep our marriage, but it is the strength of the Lord. And that is why when people are entering to marriage and sickness comes inside and poverty is coming inside, small fights here and there, they say, I'm tired, I want out. And divorce, one year, divorce, six months, three months, divorce, five years, divorce, 20 years, divorce. And you ask yourself, you stay in marriage for 20 years, what I thought again was happy for you to divorce? <laughs> why they told themselves, I will hold. I will keep, I will have. That was the problem of Satan. And then he fell. Since I was seven times and he fell. And we are saying I here for about three times in our marital vows. How can we hold our marriage? And so we even start our, our wedding in the church or even in the name of the Lord. And then during the reception, we are boogieing, doing some things. You see? So already, we, after the vow, we are already denouncing God during the reception. I want to know, what will you prefer your marital vow to be? Is it therefore uh, in sickness that you want to take out? Or for poorer and for richer you want to take out? Which one do you want to take out? You want to take the poorer out? You want to take the sickness out? 
You can't take them out. One way or the other, those challenges will happen. Yours may not be sickness. Yours may be poverty. Yours may not be poverty. Yours may be sickness. But the challenge will come in different ways. It may not be sickness or poverty. It may be constant fight. <laughs> it may come in different ways. In, in, you, you may not even, you see, you may have been understanding each other, but suddenly something will happen, you will never be understanding each other again. Who cast away, who cast away, no understanding. But when you were dating, it was cool, it was beautiful. But the moment you began to date, no understanding. What's the problem? I take. The reason why in the vow there is in sickness and in health for richer, for poorer, it's not because the priest or the man of God is hoping that you get sick in your marriage. It's not because the priest is hoping that you get poorer in your marriage. But it is because they are trying to make you aware that these are the realities of marriage. There are challenges in marriage. And yet, you can be able to overcome this test through the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, in love, Scripture says, there is long suffering. Long suffering. In sickness, it's part of the long suffering. In poverty, it's part of the long suffering. In quarreling, it's part of the long suffering. But because you don't have the strength of the Lord, he said, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And because you don't have the strength of the Lord, when the quarreling begins to start, they want out. They are disturbing me too much. I want my peace. I came to marry. I, I didn't come to hustle. You know. So the man had money when you got married to him, or the woman had money when you got married to him. I want to marry a DB. So and the wife, and the man goes to marry a DB woman, hoping that everything will be okay. But in the marriage, things went haywire. The woman is no more a DB because the father's money, not the woman's money. And I remember the woman is not uh, rich. Now you want out. If you don't allow God to keep that marriage or that relationship, you can never keep it. You will have good sex, alright, but you can never keep it. You may have good communication, alright, but you can never keep it. Quite a mention says, you go put your head down now. Why are you doing me like that? <laughs> you can be a good food, but you can never keep it. You must allow God to keep your home. And that's why it's important for each one of us to be able to be prayerful. To be able to be what prayerful. Because even in this dispensation, ladies are going to be much more in trouble. Because Isaiah tells us that in the end time, it's going to be six to one man. Six women to one man. And they are going to beg that we may just have your name. We don't need your money. We don't need anything. We just need your name. Just like Adam did Eve. And you think it's not going to happen. Already in the population, the woman's population is more than the male population. Let's not go there. Again, you see that the women say they have everything. They don't need a man's money. Unlike now, where the ladies need the men who have money. If you don't have money, ladies will not come to you. They feel they you know, sasses in the train. You know, we be the train. They feel they baby, you know, the train. Now, ladies want people who have money. So, they don't even care if because the guy is running. So don't cast money day, card day. Ah, boy. With the cruise. Anyway. They don't care if anything is wrong anywhere. 
they are okay. Are we okay? The trips here, Dubai here, uh, Singapore here, here and there, here and there. And you to be watching, the pressure is catching you. Pressure is catching you. Low key. Oh, I mean, I never see me. Oh, oh, what? First, I need chill. Low key, I chill. Oh, they are going check social media. Hadja Sembae. Look at how the number of ladies who are now talking about Hadja's mother. But low key, you were, you were, you were admiring and envying her at the same time. We are entering into a season where ladies will begin to beg men for marriage. Not for the sake of money, as Christian says, for the sake of name, that they are also married. And so we are going to see a lot of people who are going to be grown, who are women, who are going to be grown, who will not get married at a younger age. And that is why, again, you will see also that women in school begin to give themselves that by the age of 23, 25, that should be married. And they will cross that age and not be married. Are we seeing it? Okay. Then we enter into a season where women want to be the independent. And they call themselves feminists. They want to make their money. They, they, they want to be on their own. They don't need any man. They can make it on their own. What men can do, women can do better. It's all leading us to a dispensation where women become independent of themselves and later on now begin to seek for the men. What they were supposed to achieve with man, they want to achieve on their own now and need no man to be with them. And then we enter into a season where men will now be, women will now begin to beg men for marriage. You see, when men are asking women for marriage and women are bouncing the men, it's coming a time when women are now going to be proposing to the men and men will be bouncing the women. How do we see? Now there is a debate going on social media, on TV, national television, and they are saying, is it right for the man? Is it, is it really right for the man to only propose? Or the woman can also propose? What do you think the conversation is driving at? To fulfill Isaiah. So you are thinking, oh, it's not wrong for me to propose to the man. So long as I'm crashing, let me make my retention known so that no one is not the person for me. So now there is a conversation about if it is wrong or not for the woman to propose. And so in a very short time, it will be accepted for women to propose to men. And when we'll see women also now kneel down at malls and places, in public spaces, and now be proposing to men for marriage. And we don't know if the scripture fulfilling itself against the end time. And when we are seeing most women who are now independent, most of the women who are independent of themselves and their high profile do not have marriage. Check, glance around. Most of them, what they have is a kid, but they don't have marriage. Check around. High profile women, independent women, well to do women, most of them. Even them who have marriage are even having issues in their marriage and they want out. You check around. I'm not saying don't be independent, I'm not saying don't work, I'm not saying don't do everything. No, but I want you to see that there is a time that is coming which you must not play a victim of. When will you find yourself? Some of you have already crossed the 25 age limits. Yeah, some of you have already crossed. Some of you are here to cross the limit you gave to yourself. Or the way you planned your life to be. Some of you have already crossed it. So what are we entering to? By now, some of you should have married and given birth to at least two or one. According to your calendar, according to what you wrote down, according to what you planned for yourself. 
But what do you think has caused it not to come to pass? What do you think has caused it? You were following the men and you were following the women without God. That is why you keep making the wrong choices. But if you can follow with the intention of seeking a father in a relation or a marriage, you make the right choice and you will not have a broken home. Because even in that choice that God is inside, you will still be fought. But we know for sure God is our strength. God gives us wisdom over every struggle. God now brings understanding to the home when we seek Him. But some of us will also be married and will not even seek God. We will also be in a relationship, we will not even seek God and pray about God. About God. My relationship, what is it? How is it going? What is happening? What is happening? Some of us in a relationship right now, the only thing I'm praying for is marriage. At the particular age, some men, some women, all that they are doing now, God, let me marry, let me marry. God, let this person marry. And then they go on social media, and because prayers are going on, and we see a lot of people type a guy's name under a prayer meeting. <laughs> Father, let this one come and marry me. Father, I want to marry you. Let's go, just mind change to me. Let mommy's mind change to me. Whoever is taking mommy from me, then, hey. Yeah. But it's not enough to only have the desire to marry. It is not only enough to want to have someone for yourself. It is not simple as that. Marriage is not simple as that. Let us tell you the truth. So if all that you want to do in this life is marry, you marry you, then after, after that, what, what next? After you marry, what next? I really not some of us have made vows to certain boyfriends, certain girlfriends. I will not leave you. It is you or no one. If I leave you, what can I do? If I leave you, I'm not going to date anyone. I'll be on my own. And no one who that guy always you want out from the relationship. You want out for the, from the relationship. You told the girl, you told the guy that if I come out of this relationship, I'm not going to date anyone. Just so that they can feel good or they will feel bad one or the other. Is it working for you now? <laughs> you, thought, you thought you were just saying something to get out. But what you don't know is that you were making a declaration over your own life. You thought that. Ah, I want you to prophesy over a marriage, prophesy over anything that has to do with your relationship with you. You want to prophesy because if you can speak evil and the evil will take place, you want to speak good, you want to prophesy good, you want to prophesy, you want to prophesy. I want to prophesy over your marriage, prophesy over your home. Prophesy. 
and any for those of us who are married, any vow we have taken, which is not of the Lord, we renew our vow in the name of the Lord. Begin to prophesy, 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 and renew your vow in the name of the Lord. Prophesy and renew your vow in the name of the Lord. There are certain words we may have uttered, thinking we just uttered them, but they were prophetic words, prophetic utterances we made. In the name of Jesus. The book of Isaiah 48, verse 7, the scripture says, They are created now, called into being by the prophetic word, and not long ago, and before today, you have never heard of them, lest you should say, Behold, I knew them. I take it again. They are created now, called into being by the prophetic word. So we understand by scripture that the prophetic word is not only to talk about your past, your present, and your future, but to also bring things into being. When you make prophetic declarations, they are able to make things into being, whether closer to you or not closer to you. During the Friday midnight cry, one prophetic word came, and the Lord says, There is someone who is connected with a leg swollen, and there is pain. And the Lord was leading me to pray for the person. And healing will come to the person. When we got to the funeral yesterday, a guy was with us and he said, Bishop, I joined yesterday with my wife and my wife's leg was swollen. But as of today, as I was leaving the house to the funeral grounds, the, the leg has shrunk. She's fine. was a prophetic word given on phone. The person was miles away from me. But the Lord would be able to pick the person and heal the person without me even touching the person. What am I trying to say here? You see, I don't even know, but the person came to give the you guys were, you were with me when the guy was talking. Now, what am I trying to say to you? Regardless of the location you are in, you can make declarations and it will come to pass. You can prophesy and it will come to be. So by prophetic declaration of seeing the problem that a person was going through, I made another prophetic decree of healing and the healing took place. You can equally make a prophetic decree right now into your marriage, into your relationship, into anything you find yourself in, and it will be established. And I want you to prophesy again into your life. Bring things into being. Things that are not there, bring them into being. Things that are lost in your marriage, in your relationship, bring it into being. Things that are lost in your character, bring it into being. Prophesy. Prophesy. It's not only Bishop that is going to prophesy to you. You can prophesy things into being in your life. Even if it is your business, even if it's the relationship between you and your client, you want to prophesy. You want to prophesy it into being. Prophesy. If you are not dating, you want to prophesy the guy into being. 
according to the word of the Lord, according to the purposes of the Lord. If you are married, you want to prophesy. If you are dating, you want to prophesy. No demon, no agent sent into this dispensation to fight marriage and fight and win you in the name of Jesus. That thing that breaks marriages down, that breaks relationships down, we declare it will not win against you in the name of Jesus. For scripture says, defeat for them, victory for us. For every step of the way, we will meet ourselves with victory. Every step we make, we make a step of victory in the name of Jesus. We will not go down in our marriages. We will not go down in our relationships. We will not go down in life. We declare we make steps of victory. We make steps of victory. We prophesy into our life that our marriages will be a glorious one in the name of Jesus. The power of God will be revealed. The name of the Lord will be exalted in our lives. In every aspect of our life that we are going down, we declare we will not go down, we make a decrease right now, man shut up by us, any blessing, any miracle that needs to be released upon the marriage, upon the relationship we declare a release right now whoever they are, wherever they are, we declare, let them gravitation wash you up, in the name of Jesus, may shut up by us, in the name of Jesus, please stretch out your hands on this altar.